you might, you might be in that boat as well, where you've been told, like, you need to shape up, you need to change your attitude. I feel like I heard that a lot through middle school and through high school. I felt as though I could just never quite get my attitude right. Um, it was one day that I had, like, a negative attitude, and then the next day I was told that I was having a selfish attitude, and then I was told that I was having a cocky or an arrogant attitude. A very common one, though, a very common one was that I had a sarcastic attitude. Why can't you just take anything seriously? Why can't you just be sincere? Um, but rarely did I ever get told, like, man, you just have, like, a good attitude today. I don't think I ever heard that. I think that if I had to guess, my parents would have done anything to have had a series like this at church when I was in high school, uh, just devoted to this topic of, of uh, attitude adjustment. I mean, just think about, if you haven't been here, I'm just going to fill you in on some of the things we've talked about over the last uh, few weeks. In week one, we talked about how we should be more like Abraham and that we should be open to new things that God might have for us. Trust me, when I was, when I was in middle school and high school, I was not open to anything new um, unless it came from like another middle schooler or high schooler, okay? Other than that, I had it all figured out. There was nothing that somebody could tell me that was going to change my mind. And then week two, we discussed how Paul, um, Paul teaches us in his letters, uh, he teaches us humility and he teaches us how to, um, how to live uh, a humble life and, and to not be uh, proud. And then last week, the story of Ruth taught us to put others ahead of ourselves and I can promise you that teenage Nate was not working super hard on like being humble and he was not working so super hard on like what other people wanted um in fact, uh, adult Nate now, 25-year-old Nate, often needs an attitude adjustment still, and I need to kind of realign myself to, to be more humble or to put others first. Those are things that I think we all need to hear. And so uh, I just want to tell you good evening, and I want to tell you that I'm thankful to be with you this evening uh, to finish out our series as we talk about thankfulness. Um, and so believe us when we say this. This is what we've been saying every week. And as we close it out, I want to remind you of this. If there's one thing that you take away from the series, it's that our attitude affects everything. Our attitude affects everything. Everything that we do uh, when, we, when we wake up in the morning, like we have an option of like, are we going to have a good attitude? And that can really dictate how much of our day can go. And that's something that our, um, that's something that our pastoral team knew, like Pastor Rob and our pastoral team, they knew that really well. And when I expressed interest in being a pastor, when I said like, hey, I would like to be a youth pastor, which is what I get to do today, um, they said, oh, you want to be a pastor? Well, read this book. And this was actually the first book that they gave me. They, I think the Bible was also in there, but they were like, we want you to read attitudes that attract success, because if you're going to be a leader, if you're going to be someone worth following, then we want you to like really focus on having a good attitude. And as we're talking about uh, thankfulness tonight, um, I was reminded of somebody that I'm thankful for, somebody that helped me get sounding nice tonight and get set up with my microphone and everything. Somebody who's always just very helpful and very kind to me. And so Mark, I want to give you this book because I'm very thankful for you and everything that you helped me with today. And so thank you. It's a good one, I promise. And so, um, and so it could have been anything that they had me read, but they had me read that book, Attitudes That Attract Success by Wayne Cordero. And why? Because they knew that exact thing. They knew that attitude affects everything. I had to decide something. I had to decide, was I going to be a leader who was self-serving? Was I going to be a leader who was negative and who was arrogant and who knew everything? Or was I going to be a leader who was selfless, who was positive and who was humble?
Uh, I think um, our speakers over the last few weeks have discussed this concept, which is in that book. Would my attitude be an aroma that drew people in because it was so nice and so pleasant? Or would my attitude be a stench that pushed people away? Um, I think it was last week at our, at our UNSA campus, um, Pastor Joe, he wore like a lay of like flowers, but then he had a lay that was made of like garlic and onions, okay? And it was like, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna have? Are you gonna be someone that repels people or are you going to draw them in? And so I had a choice to make and that choice would not be made overnight. Like this would not be a lesson that I learned overnight and it's something that I'm still working on today. Our attitude takes practice and it takes time and it takes attention, but I wanted to have an attitude that was worth following and I wanted to have an attitude that would be pleasing to God because that's who I want to follow. And so I think one of the toughest parts of an attitude, and this is kind of our focus tonight, one of the toughest parts of our attitude to see in ourselves is whether or not we are grateful. And that's tonight, tonight's topic. Um, because here's the thing, it's really easy to say thank you. That's a pretty easy thing to do. Um, in, in fact, like many of you have probably like raised your children or you've been raised to be somebody that says please and thank you and it's become a habit. It's really easy to say thank you, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're thankful just because you said the words thank you. It can just become a reflex, right? Things can be very good and we can have every reason to be content and to be grateful, but that doesn't mean that we feel contented and that we feel grateful inside. Um, I, and here's the other thing to keep in mind is it can be really easy to be full of thanks when your savings account is full. And it can be really easy to be full of thanks when uh, you're, you're healthy and when your belly is full and when you have a, a roof over your head. Like there are things that make it very easy to uh, make it very easy to perhaps to feel full of thanks or when things are good. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you have an attitude of gratitude. I've got a really good example of this. Um, a few years ago, uh, my family went to Disneyland with some friends, um, and it was a, a really amazing trip. I think uh, I had maybe just recently graduated high school. I think I was like 18 or 19, so it was, it was probably like five or six years ago uh, that we went, and, and we were there with our friends, and it was amazing because it was a trip that was put together by my mom's business. She worked for Pamper Chef at the time, and so we were staying at this very nice like Disney brand resort and um I had the worst attitude in the world. I, I was miserable to be around because I just wanted the entire trip to revolve around me and what I wanted to do. So I was like, we need to go on this ride and then we need to go on this ride and then no, you can't go take a nap, guys. We're in Disneyland. We're gonna go do this and this and this. And my family's like, we're on vacation and you're turning this into like a job and a job that revolves around you. I was absolutely miserable. And like, here's the thing. Like, I was miserable in the most magical place on earth. I had every reason to be content. I had every reason to be grateful, but instead I was just trying to make everything about me. Like there was, uh, like I just, there was an evening where they like rented out California Adventure for like two hours just for us. Like we had the park just to our company and I still had a bad attitude because earlier that day I didn't get to go on the ride that I wanted to go on, right? Like I was, I was just, Miserable is the only word that comes to mind. <laughs> That's all that I can think of. I had every reason to be grateful. I was in Disneyland. I was healthy. I hadn't paid for any of it. So where was my good attitude then? Where was it? Where had it gone? 
And you might find yourself in, in a, a boat like that, a similar boat, maybe not that exact circumstance, but when things are good, we can forget to be thankful. We can become entitled. We can think that we accomplished it ourselves. We can be, it can be very difficult to uh, be grateful. But when things are bad, it can also be difficult to be grateful also, right? Uh, we don't maybe feel it. Uh, we don't see it. Uh, we, we don't want to have to try to be grateful. Uh, and so we become ungrateful. In good times and in bad times, we can focus on what we don't have, or we can focus on ourselves and our own accomplishments, and we can lose sight of the one who actually provides what we do have. So let's talk about gratitude. And here's what I want you to know. <clears throat> I think that this is a message for everybody. It's a message for those who have much, and it's a message for those who have little. It's a message for those who are young, and it's a message for those who are old. It's something that we are all called to do. We can all have thankfulness no matter what our circumstances might be. And so if you're here and you're wondering whether or not thankfulness is an important attitude, I've got one more story for you that I think might really uh, bring it into perspective. And this is a, this is a story uh, from my friend Graham up there. So Graham and I teach together at LCA uh, at our school. And last year in the, uh, in the spring, uh, our students were about to graduate. And so because Graham's an English teacher, he, they were writing like thank you letters to like people in their lives that were important to them, people that helped them get to that point. And so it's this really special thing. And they end up like in a video, like we do a video where they can like, because we're an international school, a lot of parents can't come out for graduation. So they get to like see this video of their kids saying they're so grateful that like their parents sent them to go to to school in another country and stuff like that. And in, in one, of these, one of these students came up to, to Mr. Kelly and said, uh, what if there's nobody that I'm thankful for? Does that like sting a little bit? You're like, does that make you kind of want to like smack that kid and be like, what are you talking about? Like your, your, your parents sent you from another country to go to school here and they paid for it and stuff, right? Like you wonder like, is this an important attitude until you think about somebody that's ungrateful? And then you're like, oh yeah, this is an important attitude to have, right? And, and like this, this student had like everything, like he, he, none of our students from other countries like get their driver's license and their parents don't buy them cars, but this student did. He was our only international student that had a car and it was nice it was a, like this nice like white mustang with like these blue stripes and stuff like like he had everything like he had he had everything and he's like i'm not grateful for anybody i did it from i did it myself and you're like what right like what that's crazy that's crazy to imagine and so i have to look at myself i have to look at my own heart and i have to think like am i like that do i ever walk around as if i have nobody to think because i did it myself do I speak as if I know everything and the world would be better if everyone were more like me or if they thought like me or if they, they did the things that I do? And I look at myself and I'm like, yeah, sometimes I do those things. And it's why today's story from the Bible is such a humbling reminder. So I want to take you to the book of Daniel, but first I want to set the scene for you. 
Um, so the, in the book of Daniel, we, what we see is we see the kingdom of Israel has actually been like conquered by their enemies, the Babylonians. And these people have come in and, and they've, taken, they've taken over Israel and they've taken a lot of Israel's best and brightest out, uh, out of Israel and taken them back to their country, uh, to their kingdom, to, to enhance their kingdom, uh, to take away their identity. They change their names, they change their diets, they, change, they try to change their gods, they try to do all of this stuff. And that's where... Everything, yeah, they wanted, exactly. They wanted them to, um, they wanted these people to live more like their kingdom and less like the kingdom that they had been taken from. Yep, and so that's where they, that's where they find themselves now is they find themselves in, uh, and Daniel's one of these young men that was taken. So he finds him and his friends in this new kingdom uh, trying to be reshaped into this, uh, this new culture that he's in. And things actually kind of end up going pretty well for Daniel in spite of all of that, in spite of all of that. He ends up like able to maintain a lot of his identity, his cultural identity, uh, due to being given wisdom by God. Um, so he's able to like maintain some of his diet and stuff. He's able to continue worshiping his God, and he even finds himself in this amazing moment. He finds he finds himself in this amazing chance where the king, uh, the king of Babylon, has this dream, and he doesn't know what it means, and it's like driving him crazy that he doesn't know what this dream means. In fact, he's even like threatened to like kill the other like people that interpret dreams and stuff because they can't decipher it. They cannot figure out what this means. And Daniel actually is given the interpretation by God. And so Daniel is able to go to the king and interpret what his dream means for him. And he saves not only his life, but like the lives of like these other wise men and stuff who are going to be killed because they could not interpret it. And so things are going pretty well for Daniel in spite of all of this. And so the question becomes, does Daniel remember to be grateful? And in Daniel chapter 2, we see that, in fact, he totally does. I thank you and I praise you, God of my ancestors, for you have given me wisdom and strength. You have told me what we asked of you and revealed to us what the king demanded. So we see Daniel finds himself in this moment when things are going well. Things are going really well. He's even like rising through the ranks above some of his other, like these other young men that have been taken from Israel. And we see that Daniel still remembers to thank God. So when things are good, we see that Daniel remembers to be grateful. When things are great, Daniel is grateful. And so he thanks God for the good that he has in his life. He praises his name for what has been done for him. And this can be a huge check for our culture that so prizes its independence. Here in the United States, we love a good success story. We really do. Uh, we love someone that was working hard and they were on the grind and they went from the bottom to the top. I mean, Daniel's story kind of sounds like a documentary waiting to happen when I hear it. Uh, it sounds like this. Here's the headline. Prisoner of war becomes top advisor to a conquering king, all while maintaining his own culture. Like, that sounds like a documentary that you could watch. That could, like, win an Oscar, and you'd, like, scroll past it on Netflix, and you're like, I'm not in the mood for a documentary, and then you never watch it, right? That's kind of what that sounds like to me. But Daniel recognizes that his dependence on God is what got him into that position. He knows that it's not things are great because I'm great, but instead it's things are great because God's great. 
But things would not remain great forever, as Daniel would quickly learn. That same king that he interpreted the dream for actually ends up finding himself in this position where, like, he wants to build this huge statue, and he wants every, of like, and he wants everybody to worship this statue. Okay, if you've seen VeggieTales, this is the bunny. Okay, um, if you're familiar. So he builds this huge statue and wants everybody to worship it. And anybody who doesn't worship it will like get thrown into this furnace. And Daniel's good friends end up like getting thrown into this furnace because they'll only worship God. And God saves them and it's amazing, but still like this very dangerous situation to be in. And then there's another king who ends up like desiring the exact same thing in Daniel. Daniel chapter 6. So we get two kings in a row that are like, I want people to worship me. Okay? And so we pick it up with another king, a king named Darius in Daniel chapter 6. And this is what it says. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and they said, long live King Darius. We are all in agreement. We administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except you, your majesty, will be thrown into a den of lions. I don't know what's going on with these kings, but they're really all about themselves, it seems, right? They really desire to be worshipped, okay? And so anyone that doesn't do it will be thrown into a den of lions. And now, your majesty, issue and sign this law so that it cannot be changed an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. Yeah, so anybody that... Yeah, they're going to do it in, with lions, though. Pretty scary. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, and all because they won't worship who the Babylonians want them to worship, who this, this empire wants them to worship. And so that's the situation, or the Persians in this uh, moment, the Persians, okay? Who, because they won't worship who they want them to worship. And so Daniel now finds himself in a tough position, okay? Once again, he's, it's, the question is, am I going to worship God, or am I going to worship like this king? And he's unwilling to worship this king. King. And so when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, things seemed pretty bad. They seemed pretty grim. His life is on the line. And so he went home and he knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. And you're like, man, dude, just close the windows, right? Like, what are you doing? Okay. But he does what he normally does. And he prayed three times that day just to rub it in. No, because that was his tradition, right? He prayed three times that day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Giving thanks to his God. And then the officials went together to Daniel's house and they found him praying and they found him asking for God's help. So Daniel, even when his circumstances are not great, we now see him continuing to be grateful. And so we see here that this is when things are at their worst, and Daniel continues to praise, and he continues to give thanks. And this is where the message gets a little bit tricky, because you might look at your life, and you might feel like there is nothing worth being grateful for. I'm sure that's how Daniel felt in this moment. And I, I'm going to say this. It's easy for me to get up here and say, we should all be grateful because my life is really good. My life has always been pretty good. But 
Attitude isn't something that just happens to us. It's something that is within our control. It's a choice that we get to make. Daniel made the choice that he would get down, he would kneel, and he would continue to thank God, even in the midst of hard circumstances. We can choose whether to give thanks or not to. Daniel could have chosen not to in that upper room, but he chose to have an attitude of thankfulness. And it's here that Daniel actually teaches us our main thing for tonight. And if you remember nothing else, if, if after this you remember bingo and potluck and stuff, I hope you will at least remember this. We can be grateful even when things aren't great. We can choose to be grateful even when things in our life aren't great. Daniel actually, it's not just thankfulness. Daniel actually shows all four of the attitudes that we've been talking about in this series. We see him displaying humility throughout his life. We see him displaying uh, this openness to what God would have for him, this openness to this new place with this new, uh, with this new way of life and, and his new circumstances. Uh, we see him displaying the other one that I totally remember um, that we talked about. Um, oh my goodness, where is it? I wrote them down. I have to find it. Anyway, we just see him displaying all of them. Uh, I really want to find it now. Other selflessness. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. We see all of them. <laughs> yeah. There are circumstances and there are people in this world that we don't think are very great. But when we choose ungrateful attitudes, don't you think that we ourselves make the world a little bit less great when we choose to be ungrateful in the midst of that. I think there's a reason that we are so drawn to inspiring stories of like human perseverance and people coming out of like hardship and stuff. It's because those people often have very little, but they continue to be so abundant in their thankfulness. I think there's a reason that we're drawn to like TV shows like Ted Lasso and stuff. And if you don't know it, that's okay. But he's, uh, he's a very grateful like character with a good attitude on television, which I feel like is kind of rare these days to see. And so I want to take us back in time for one more story from the Bible uh, to the book of Exodus. Before, and this is before there was ever even like an Israelite kingdom to conquer. Uh, the Israelite people found themselves enslaved in the kingdom of Egypt. And um, they, they had been there for hundreds of years. They had been slaves and they had been laboring before this Pharaoh. And God actually, through the many different miracles performed uh, through Moses by God, God actually sets the Israelites free. He frees them from their slavery and he frees them from their captivity. And it's this amazing, amazing moment. Um, and when God delivers them, they actually end up like on the run from the Egyptians, uh, from the very people that had enslaved them. And they had seen all of these amazing things, like God had parted the Red Sea for them. He had like performed all these plagues and stuff to get the Pharaoh to even release them. And now they're out there in the, and they're on their way to the promised land. They're on their way to this place that God has promised them where the land is flowing with milk and honey and it's going to be where they're going to build this great nation, this great kingdom, just like had been promised for their father, their patriarch, a guy named Abraham. It had been promised to the Israelites through him. And while they're on their way, uh, thing, they start to grow worried. The Israelites do. They start to grow worried and they start to grumble and they start to very much have bad attitudes. If we could throw up that first verse, this is a really good example of their attitudes. 
as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and they saw them, the Egyptians, and coming at them, and they were totally afraid. They cried out in terror to God. They told Moses, the guy who had been sent to free them, weren't the cemeteries large enough in Egypt so that you had to take us out here in the wilderness to die? What have you done to us, taking us out of Egypt? Back in Egypt, didn't we tell you this would happen? Didn't we tell you? Leave us alone here in Egypt. We're better off as slaves in Egypt than as corpses in the wilderness. Yeah, and then there's another one. There's another one. Uh, Graham, if we could go to the next. Okay, uh, this is later on, a couple chapters later. The whole company of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron there in the wilderness. The Israelites said, why didn't God let us die in the comfort of Egypt where we had lamb stew and all the bread we could eat? You've brought us out into this wilderness to starve us to death. The whole company of Israel. And so we see these two examples of like this this ungratefulness, this lack of gratitude, this grumbling and this murmuring. And, and it's this really, really terrible kind of situation, these really bad attitudes. And Moses says something that I think is really important for us to remember. Moses responds to them in this chapter, chapter 16. Moses said, it's God who will have listened to your complaints against him. Who are we in all this? You haven't been complaining to us. You've been complaining to God. Here's what Moses is showing us. Our grumblings, our complaints, they aren't complaints that we share with God. They're complaints that we have against God. When we are ungrateful, we're actually challenging God's greatness. When we're ungrateful, we're actually challenging God's greatness. And this is an idea that you probably understand. Um, it, it makes like um, it makes a lot of sense like if you're a parent and, you, and your kids complain about like the food that they're eating or they complain about like uh, the state of their room or the toys that they have or something. Like yeah, they're kind of complaining about their toys. They're maybe complaining about the food on the table, but really what they're complaining about is you as their provider. And as a teacher, I experience this because I don't have any kids of my own, but when my students complain about the state of my classroom or the tests that are given or something like that, they're not really complaining about the test. They're complaining about the person that gave the test, the person that wrote it, the person that provided them with the tools in order to take the class. And that's the same case here for the Israelites. Yeah, they might think they're complaining about the food or they might think they're complaining about the danger, but they're really complaining about the God the provider, the alpha and the omega. They're complaining about their savior. So when we are ungrateful, we are actually challenging God's greatness. And that one definitely hit close to home. And so um, after I read that story of Exodus, and I, st I started to read our application for this message, and that really made me think as well about a, kind of an idea that I've been stewing on um, for a while. And here's the application. I'm just going to read it to you. This was what was given to us. If you want to adopt an attitude of thankfulness, begin thinking of something that you can be thankful for each day. If you're in a difficult situation or life season, choose one thing to thank God regularly for in the midst of that difficultness, or difficulty, excuse me. 
And so that made me think about what am I grateful for? Like, like what is it that, that I have been taking for granted? And it's something that I, it's something that I realized uh, this summer when we went back uh, to North Dakota, it's where we've got a lot of family from, uh, for a funeral. We went, we went back and we, um, it was uh, for my grandma Jane's funeral. And so we went as a family and um, we, we got to be with family that we hadn't seen in a long time. And I realized a few things while I was there. One of the things that I realized was I didn't know my grandma Jane very well. That was one of the things that, that I noticed. Um, I had been pretty young when I'd met her and when, I'd been pretty young when I'd gone out to see her. And uh, at that age, I wanted to run around with the cousins mostly. I had never been on a farm really, so I wanted to run around and explore the farm. Uh, and just, there's not a lot that you can relate to when you're very young with somebody that's perhaps in their 80s or, or 90s. And so I'd never really gotten to know my grandma Jane that well. But it made me pretty sad when we went out there for, for the funeral that I, I hadn't taken the time, that I hadn't noticed that. And then uh, one, of the, uh, one of the uncles out on the farm or cousins or something like that said something that was uh, it kind of like it stung a little bit. He was like, well, I'll see all of you uh, at the next funeral. And it was like, what the heck? I was like, am I going, is that going to be the next time that I see these people? Is that the next funeral for someone that I maybe don't know as well as I should? And it really made me think about like my family. And it made me think about how I probably take my family for granted more than I, more than I would like. And, and I really, I have been for many, many years. I would just always rather hang out with my friends than my family. I just would. I, I've got more in common with them. And so uh, whenever I had the opportunity, whenever I had free time, I was going to go hang out with my friends instead. But that was a, really a check to me about how I've been taking my family for granted because they are there for me so much more than I often am there for them. And then I... Um, and then I uh, sat down with one of my former students. They're graduated, uh, my youth students. They're graduated, they've gone away for college, but they came back and they visited, um, I think like earlier this fall, they came back and they were visiting home. And I talked to them and I was like, what did you, I was like, what did you do this summer? What did you learn? And she talked about how she had gone and she had stayed with her grandma all summer. And, it had, and she was like, and I learned something. She's like, I learned how much I love my family. And this was like a huge like confirmation for me that I wasn't like, I wasn't like naively learning something arbitrary or something. I was learning something for me. She's like, and I just learned how important it is and how I want to like spend more time with my family and really get to know them. She's like, I just got to hear my grandma share stories all summer and we got to hang out and I got to meet her friends. She's like, it was lovely. And I was like, man, I don't want to take any second with my family for great granted any longer. And so my, my thing that I want to start thanking God for and that I want to start practicing gratitude for more is my family because I, I have taken them for granted so much. Um, if we look at the story of the Israelites, I wonder how much they lost by being ungrateful. And there's actually an answer. I don't have the verse there, but because of their grumbling and because of their bad attitudes and because of them challenging God, they actually ended up wandering the wilderness for 40 years. They didn't get to see that promised land that God had for them for 40 years. Some of them died before they ever even got there. And that makes me wonder, you know, like they lost 40 years how many precious moments have I lost with my family by being ungrateful? How many precious moments they lost 40 years, maybe I lost, you know, 
a, a Sunday. Maybe I lost a, a Thanksgiving meal because I just wanted to nap or watch football or something, you know? How many precious moments have I lost with my family due to my bad attitude, due to my grumbling and my complaining? I don't want to miss any more. And I don't want you to miss that either, whatever that case may be, whatever it is that you need to be thankful for. Maybe for you it's not family. Maybe you, you know, you're so grateful for that and you practice that well, but maybe you're not thankful for the job that you have or the people that you get to work with. Or sometimes I imagine it can be very difficult to be thankful for your children sometimes, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure that there are days where it's easier and there are days when it's harder. But I just want to think about like what can it look like for us if we live that way. And I've got one more verse. Uh, if we could go to that First Thessalonians verse, it says this. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. And I, I feel like um, a lot of times I'm always asking myself, I'm like, God, what's your will? Like, God, what do you have for me? What do you want me to do? And I love those verses where he makes it very clear what his will is for us. So if you're ever in that situation as well, where you're like, I don't really know what God wants me to do. Like, I, I, I want to serve God, but I don't know what that looks like. This is a really good place to start. You can start by practicing this. You can start by practicing joy in all circumstances. You can practice being thankful, even when things are hard, just like Daniel did. Uh, when, when things are, are bad, you can pray to God and you can talk to him and that's his will. That is God's will for all of us, which makes it very clear. So I challenge you um, in this season and I guess in all seasons, because in all circumstances, what is it that you can be thankful for? And uh, I, I just challenge you to think about that while I pray for us. And if you want prayer for anything, we'll have prayer teams up here afterwards as well. And they would love to pray for you because maybe you are in the midst of hard circumstances and it's hard to be thankful. That's something that we can pray to God for together. Maybe things are, are really good, but it can be hard. We can you know have hard hearts or we can think that we did it. We want to pray for you for that as, as well. So Jesus, thank you for tonight. Thank you that we were able to gather together. Thank you for everything that you have done for us as, as our provider. I pray that you can help us when times are good. I pray that you can help us to be thankful and, and to know that it was you that did it, that you are our provider, that you've given us whatever it is that we might have, Lord. And when times are hard, when it's hard to find something to be thankful for, thank you that you never leave us. Thank you that you're in the midst of it with us, and uh, thank you that we can always rejoice in you, Jesus. I pray that you bless this wonderful food to our bodies tonight, and that we can enjoy our time together. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you.